1: is The Other Side of Midnight on um, your favorite radio station. I'm superstar Frank Morato. Thank you for listening. It's Friday, Super Bowl weekend. Last weekend before Valentine's Day. Good chance to get some shopping done. Last weekend before Lent. Good opportunity to indulge in whatever you're going to be abstaining from. You know, I had anticipated talking quite a bit about this uh, Tucker Carlson interview with... um, Vladimir Putin that was released last night. So I started to watch it last night. Um, I have not finished it, which is why I'm not going to say much about it now. I, it's it's two hours long. It's over two hours long. And my initial plan was to – I figured it was going to be uh, a little more than an hour or so. I figured I'd listen to it as I'm driving in and then finish watching it when I got to the radio station. But when I – was uh, listening to it on the way in. I got a phone call that was kind of important that I needed to take and I had to talk to this person and then uh, I got here and um, and Curtis was here and he, you know, Curtis was bah, 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 I did take the last of Curtis's steroid pills before the show, so I'm hoping that um, the, the, hopefully it worked and uh, I'm hoping back by tomorrow my cold and my touch of laryngitis will be gone and I'll be back into fighting form. But I watched about a half hour of this uh, Tucker Carlson, Vladimir Putin interview. What I saw was interesting, but I'm not going to comment much because I haven't seen the whole thing, including the aspects of it that people were paying most attention to. Um, Meaning, you know, folks were already berating Tucker because they were saying, oh, I bet you he's not going to ask about that Wall Street Journal reporter that's in Russian captivity. Well, he did. And he pressed Putin on that uh, pretty hard. In fact, I think if you listen to all the various areas that he pressed Putin on, and again, I only heard about a half hour of it, and most of that was um, Putin filibustering uh, or – I don't want to say filibustering – trying to give a long explanation of Russian history going all the way back to the year 862 and – um But uh, let me finish what I was saying and then I'll go back to that. In terms of the pressing of the Wall Street Journal reporter, have you heard any American journalist or any Western journalist ask Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, why is Gonzalo Lira dead? I mean, Gonzalo Lira is dead because of the authoritarian policies of this Ukrainian government. And, you know, the general that Zelensky just fired is one of the most popular public figures in Ukraine. And if there were to be a presidential election, you can bet he'd probably run against Zelensky and would have a good chance of winning. But this democracy, which we're spending $60 billion on in the most recent version that's coming out of the Senate, in addition to the tons of money we've already sent over there, they never ask about that. Uh, And, you know, they've canceled elections. There's no sign of elections happening anytime soon. So I'd like to, you know, uh, well, in any event, um, you know, by the way, Rand Paul, he is like me. He's totally against giving all this aid to Ukraine, but when it was a very popular thing to do to be supporting the innocent democratic Ukrainians over the authoritarian Russian strongmen, Rand Paul got on the floor of the Senate and he said, "Look, I'm not for giving this aid. I know, but I know it's going to pass anyway. So the only thing I'm asking for is an inspector general so we can track where this money is going so we know it's not pilfered or wasted or stolen or anything like that when you know it he didn't even get that they didn't even give him an inspector general to track where the money was going that's how into stealing this money the people that are granting this money are they wouldn't even give him an inspector general now what is the possible rationale for denying an inspector general for our own money i mean it's ridiculous so anyway Um, The beginning of this Putin interview, uh, Putin, he asks a question about the war, basic question, same question I would have asked, and Putin says, oh, well, let me give you 30 seconds of history. Putin goes on for a half hour, a half hour, and Tucker, and he says this in the intro, uh, in, in the introduction that airs before the interview, Tucker thought that he was that this was a filibustering technique, that he was trying to basically run out the clock. And guests do this with me. And sometimes you're successful, sometimes not. But he was he thought he was trying to run out the clock so that he didn't have to answer as many tough questions. But no, he wasn't trying to do that. There was no limit, time limit on the interview, and they they he answered as many of Tucker's questions as he wanted to. But it was and Tucker kept interrupting him because Putin went on for a half hour going into Russian history from the year 862 to the present day. So that was kind of – and then I heard a little bit more but not much beyond that. So I'm looking forward uh, tonight or today, this morning after the show and uh, over the weekend to watching the entire interview in its entirety. But I will have um, much more to say about this probably on Monday – but I, uh, I do have a couple of clips for you, uh, just to whet your appetite if you didn't get to hear it. Here is um, Putin talking about the current war and some of the causes. And this is a point I've made, but uh, I think uh, it's different when you hear it from Putin.
2: And what triggered the latest events? Firstly, the current Ukrainian leadership declared that it would not implement the Minsk agreements, which had been signed, as you know, after the events of 2014 in Minsk. Where the plan of peaceful settlement in Donbas was set forth. But no, the current Ukrainian leadership, foreign minister, all other officials and then-president himself said that they don't like anything about the Minsk agreements. In other words, they were not going to implement it. A year or a year and a half ago, former leaders of Germany and France said openly to the whole world that they indeed signed the Minsk Agreements, but they never intended to implement them.
1: They simply led us by the nose. Putin's absolutely right there. If, if you think of all of the Ukrainian lives, all of the Russian lives, and all of the American money that could have been saved had all the parties involved just lived up to the terms of the Minsk agreements, we would be in a much better position. Now, I say that, and people say I'm a Putin stooge or I'm a Russian propagandist. Fine, whatever. Why do you think that? And I I think I've made a very compelling case about why what we're doing in Ukraine is so so foolish, but even more so than me. I've brought in you world-class scholars on every level to explain why the narrative that the media is spoon-feeding you on the Ukraine issue, why you're swallowing it. And I think a lot of it is because of the media drumbeat of propaganda that you're enjoying on this war. Putin commented on that.
2: In the war of propaganda, it is very difficult to defeat the United States. Because the United States controls all the world's media and many European media. The ultimate beneficiary of the biggest European media are American financial institutions. Don't you know that?
1: And the last thing I'll play is a little bit about the history from the 90s. Because there was a time when, after the Soviet Union fell, where it looked like we were Russia was going to be our best buddy. And it looked like there was a possibility that Russia, with the Warsaw Pact folding, might even join NATO. And Putin said, look, they had discussions with the United States about doing exactly that, joining NATO.
2: I became president in 2000. I thought, okay, the Yugoslav issue is over, but we should try to restore relations. Let's reopen the door that Russia had tried to go through. And moreover, I said it publicly, I can reiterate. At a meeting here in the Kremlin, with the outgoing President Bill Clinton, right here in the next room, I said to him, I asked him, Bill, do you think if Russia asked to join NATO, do you think it would happen? Suddenly he said, you know, it's interesting. I think so. But in the evening, when we met for dinner, he said, you know, I've talked to my team. No, no, it's not possible now.
1: And again, one of those things where you look at how different history would be if Russia and the United States were both in NATO or some similar NATO-type entity. Hey, do you remember the other day... We played for you a little bit of uh, Larry David going at it with Elmo. If you didn't hear about it, it happened on the Today Show, and uh, you know, Larry David was on there promoting his uh, r- last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Saw the first episode, by the way. Loved it. And you have uh, Elmo trying to do some damage control from his poor tweeting incident, and Larry David gets into it with Elmo. Wait, wait. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh, wow. oh, you love Elmo, don't you? Why? Oh Elmo, my okay? gosh. Mr. Larry,
0: Elmo liked you before. Ask <laughs> permission, ask permission before you touch people, Larry. Oh, let's, let's,
1: <laughs> let's get back on the couch, let's talk about how you're feeling. Mm-mm-mm. So Larry David beats up Elmo. I mean, it's a bit. Clearly, I'm sure everybody was in on this. Maybe they weren't, but... And then five minutes later, Larry David apologizes to Elmo on television, right? I mean, it's... I can't believe anybody is still talking about it three days later, but here we are. Do you know who Will Wheaton is? Will Wheaton, I actually really like. He's a smart guy and a very good actor. I know him best, and I think most Star Trek The Next Generation fans know him best, uh, for playing Ensign Ensign Wesley Crusher on Star Trek The Next Generation, the son of Dr. Beverly Crusher. How dare you? I am Rondon, you disgusting. Melanoid slime
0: worm. Liar. Who do you think you're bullying? You bumped into me. It was your
1: mistake. You were at fault.
0: Do you want this to become
3: violent?
1: That that exchange was from one of Wesley's best early episodes, but it's when he's taking the Starfleet Academy test. However, um that's is not typical of Wesley. Wesley was a teenager, but he was so precocious. He was one of the smartest people on the Enterprise. He was a whiz. He was a genius. He was, picture the Doogie Howser of Starships. That was Wesley Crusher. So, Will Wheaton has gone on to do some other acting. He was in an episode of Love Boat the Next Wave. He was in um, a, a couple of other things. And he does a podcast that's very popular. He's a very big social media influencer. I think he's, I think he speaks out about politics. I think he's liberal, but I, I, honestly, I don't really follow his political musings. Well, he posted something on social media that I thought uh, – on Facebook – that I thought was a joke because it is so full of rage towards Larry David – for viciously assaulting the puppet named Elmo. I-, I couldn't figure out after the first two sentences or uh, if it was real or not. Then when I realized that this was real, I read the whole thing again because this is just shocking. This is a you know relatively well known person going crazy. About a comedian attacking a puppet. Let me read this to you quickly. And then we'll move on. And Noam Layden is here. So I heard about Larry David assaulting Elmo on live Television. But didn't watch it until now. Oh, it was on live Television? I thought it was on Today Show. Okay. So I heard about Larry David assaulting Elmo on live Television. But didn't watch it until now. Because I knew it would upset me. Holy blank. It's even worse than I thought. What the F is wrong with that guy? Elmo was like the best friend to multiple generations of children. In the Sesame Street universe, Elmo is a child who is currently putting mental health and caring for others in the spotlight. And Larry effing David did that and thought it was going to be funny? What? What a blank hole. What a stupid, self-centered, tone-deaf blank hole. Full disclosure, all the time when I was growing up, my dad would grab me by the shoulders and shake me while he screamed in my face. He choked me more than once. He was always out of control, always in a furious rage, and always terrifying. I'm a 51-year-old man, and my heart is pounding right now, recalling how I felt when I was a little boy who loved Grover the way today's kids love Elmo. So this appalling, unforgivable despicable act hits more than one raw nerve for me and i'm going to say what i wish i'd been able to say when this sort of thing happened to me larry david this was not okay and your obviously insincere apology clearly communicates that you don't get that first of all you aren't even in that segment but you just decided to barge in and draw focus because why You couldn't stand that a puppet brought people together in a meaningful way that you can't. You couldn't stand that your appearance on national television to promote your wildly successful series was delayed for a few seconds while the adults talked about mental health. You wanted to manufacture a viral moment where everyone gets to see what a blank hole you are. So they'll tune in and watch you portray a blank hole in the last season of your show that celebrate how great it is to be a blank hole without ever experiencing the consequences of being a blank hole? I really want to know what raced through his tiny little mind and why there was no voice or person who spoke up to stop him from expressing violence towards a children's puppet, capital letters, who was there to talk about how his love and empathy for people having a tough time mattered and made a difference. Elmo and his dad were there to talk about empathy, love, kindness, and caring for each other. Larry David was there to promote the final, thank God, maybe he'll go away now, close parenthesis, season of a television series. Like, read the room, blank head... If it isn't always about you being the center of attention and understand what's happening in the moment, blanco, understand that there are larger things in the world than you and your garbage ego. Now, I get what Will Wheaton is saying here saying, look, well, Elmo's trying to make an important point about mental health. A lot of children view Elmo as a peer. Yeah. And it's not great to, um, you know, it's not great to assault him on television. I understand that. I feel like this is an incredible amount of overkill. I feel like the response from Will Wheaton is completely disproportionate to the offense of Larry David. I mean, there was a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode about this. One of the episodes with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda where the apology being commensurate with the offense, this craziness um, is way over the top and not at all proportional with the offense of of m- sc- screwing with a puppet on television. I, you know, my son watches Elmo. I mean, again, I don't have the personal... Um, experience being shaken or grabbed by the shoulders by my dad that it sounds like Will Wheaton does. And maybe I would react differently, but we're talking about a puppet here. And I think this guy, Will Wheaton, who again, I'm a fan of um, from Star Trek anyway, is way over the top. I think this is nuts, quite honestly. And I mean, clearly there's something that happened in will wheaton's life that caused this silly little back and forth between larry david and elmo to trigger him in a pretty severe way but he took the time to write this out he didn't write this in private to his journal in a journal he didn't text this to a friend he put this out there to millions of followers i mean isn't there some level of self-awareness, this was the apology that Will Wheaton felt was uh, insufficient. Go ahead. Say you're sorry. Elmo.
3: Larry.
0: I, I just want to apologize.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Larry. That's okay. very Elmo, big of you. Elmo accepts your apology, Larry. Okay.
0: God. You. All
1: what, right. what is and Louie, will you drop the lawsuit? Elmo accepts, oh, oh, accepts,
3: accepts your apology. Oh, okay, cool.
1: Okay, okay. Elmo. Right. Thank, oh, you. Thank you. You are such a sweetheart. Thank yeah. you, Elmo. Yes. I mean, isn't it clear that everybody's sort of in on the joke? The anchors, Elmo, Larry David. I'm curious what you think. Am I being insensitive by kind of being, I don't know, dismissive of Will Wheaton's crazy rant here? Or do um, you agree with me that that's a bizarre reaction to something that's relatively innocuous? 800-848-9222. That's 800 848 92-22. Uh, Tony, do you have a, an opinion on this?
0: It's really, um, it's not that serious. I think it was it was just a joke with um, Larry, David, and Elmo. Yeah, that, that's and, what I thought. And Will needs to stop wearing his feelings on his sleeve, okay?
1: Like, knock it off. No, I mean, I, I thought that was not. Where do you come down, Matt? That <laughs> it's place? totally
4: insane. It I is. Mean, First of all, Elmo accepted the apology.
0: Why can't Will Wheaton accept Larry David's apology? And I think a lot of people know Will Wheaton. He played an exaggerated version of himself on The Big
1: Bang Theory. Oh, I see. I've never last, seen The Big Bang Theory, you know, but I'm told I would like it.
0: Yeah, he's he played because they're all into Star Trek, right? Right? Right?
1: And they meet him, and so he's in a lot of the episodes as himself. But um, I, is this Will Wheaton trying to stay relevant? Because this is crazy. I mean, this is I don't beyond, think so. I would, I would give him credit if this was a publicity stunt. I don't think it is, and I don't think it's satire. I think he's really worked up about about Elmo being uh, assaulted here. Give me a call. Let me know what you think. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Earlier, a fella called in asking about telemarketers. Again, um, you know, this particular company is not a sponsor. So I'm not trying to give them a free commercial. But, and I'm sure there are other entities that do this. But I got such a kick out of this. There's this entity called Jolly Roger. And what they do is they use AI when a telemarketer calls to talk to the telemarketer. And, for instance, you know, um, somebody will call and oh, – oh, it's not even telemarketers. It's scammers. They use AI to talk to scammers and keep them on the phone forever. So the scammer thinks it's talking to a real person, when in actuality, it's talking to a computer that you pay, you know, in this particular service, it's $2 a month, and they, you know, they deal with all the scammers that are trying to call you. Here's a sample call. Okay.
3: Like, ma'am, do you have a remote control in your handy? Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: That's so interesting.
3: Yeah. Speaking of TV, did you know I just want a local talent show? It's so much fun. What's your favorite talent show on TV? Maybe we can chat about that while you tell me uh, more about this cable box upgrade.
2: Uh, I,
1: I watch American Premier movie channels only.
3: That's so exciting.
1: That's a computer, that lady who said, that's so exciting. That's an AI voice, and she's just programmed to react and keep these telemarketers and these scammers forever, forever, Um, and and until these guys finally just give up, 800-848-9222. Here, let me play one more because I just think this is kind of cool.
3: So, well, do you have a Visa, debit, or a MasterCard where we can put the money back?
0: Can you tell me more about how, uh, how account holder services can help me? And by the way, do you have any tips for growing tomatoes? I've been trying to grow them in my garden, but they just won't cooperate.
3: Okay. Oh, I understand. So then you need to go and find the card. Maybe we can put the money back.
1: <laughs> okay. So that's a computer. The guy that's saying about asking about the tomatoes, talking to the scammer, it's a computer. I think it's really clever. And, you know, look, AI may kill us all, may take over the world and uh, enslave us all. But at least we're going to get drive some scammers and telemarketers crazy in the meantime, right? All right, 800 848 92 800 848 Ryan, what is on your mind? Hey, Mr. Morano, how are you doing? My name is Ryan. I'll
3: be super duper quick. Um, I've been listening to you for quite some time now. Uh, can't tell you exactly what that is, but I, I just have to tell you that I've listened to every second of your show tonight, and I'm not kidding when I tell you that this show has been absolutely terrific. And you've completely won me over as a fan. And I, I know that must sound maybe a little bit much, but it, I mean you've been amazing. This story that you have told with with Elmo, I mean this nobody else. There is there's absolutely no one else that could have told that story. It's hysterical. You had me on the floor. I'm a total fan now. Um, I thought you were great for months going months back, but this show has been Absolutely amazing! From the question that you had people post to you in the beginning, through the whole thing, I've listened every second. It's a home run. Maybe wow. you should uh, get a frog in your throat more often. My and, uh, goodness, right? Those thank pills. you. Take um,
1: You know, you got to leave your congratulations. Thank you. Leave your uh, address with Matt so I can send you uh, the, the check for those remarks. That's very <laughs> kind. Very. You're kind.
3: awesome, man. You got a fan here, well, Oceanside, what? New York.
1: Well, that's very kind, Wait, what, Oceanside. You said, yes, sir. Do you ever you ever go to the Oceanside Jewish Center?
3: I I have I I've, I've been
1: by there. Yeah, you know, I used to videotape bar mitzvahs there uh, many years <laughs> ago. Amazing. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, it was always it always was uh, a long trip. There was always traffic there. It didn't matter yeah. what time I left. It, it, what it's tight. Yeah. Why is there That's always so much traffic? Probably what we're known for here. Yeah. My goodness. That well, and seagulls. Yeah. There are a lot of seagulls. <laughs> I remember that. Hey, Ryan. Thank you. Have a good weekend.
3: Thank you, sir. You're amazing. Wow, I'm a fan. Very Take very care. Kind.
1: Thank you. Love that guy. That guy's really. A fan. Hey, um, you know what I was going to talk about? Maybe we'll chat about this after uh, we get some headlines from uh, Noam Laden, or maybe we'll do it Monday. Do, do you follow any of these apps, these neighborhood apps like uh, Citizen or Nextdoor or even just the app that's on the Ring camera? I think it's just called Neighbors. Um, there's a whole backlash against these apps now. We'll get into it a little bit later. If not, we'll do it on uh, on Monday. Also, I'm still looking for your, um, your interesting uh, suggestions for an offbeat Super Bowl show. That can be relatively easily produced over the weekend. I mean, don't say, oh, well, you know, you should get uh, John Madden and uh, Michael Kane and uh, Claudia Schiffer in for a four-hour rundown of uh, exactly what happened during the Super Bowl. Okay, obviously that's not going to happen. But something practical that I could do that I just might not think of, email me. frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com Noam Laden is here. We'll get, uh, we'll get some headlines from him straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano.
2: to my city by the bay
1: i left my heart the great tony bennett no longer with us who san left his heart in francisco. san francisco And uh, this is a birthday bumper music selection from uh, my stepmother, Liz, who is celebrating her birthday today. Happy birthday, Liz. And uh, hopefully it is a great one. Meantime, uh, a great one has sauntered into the studio. And he is chock full of information that I think you will find both informative and entertaining.
4: Stand by for the other side of Midnight's news.
0: From New York City, the other side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present National and International News with Frank Murano and News Director Noam Laden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get
1: the rest of the story. Hello now. Good morning,
4: Frank. The Gimpy Gimpy plant. Have you heard of the Gimpy Gimpy plant? I don't think so. It is uh, so dangerous, they say it twice. Gimpy Gimpy. It's not so nice. Sometimes it's so nice they say it twice. Not here. The Gimpy Gimpy plant in the past, people have been stung by this plant. It has very tiny needles. It's usually only found in Australia or Indonesian uh, rainforests. And if you're stung by this, apparently the pain is so intense, it has forced some people or made them commit suicide because the pain is so overwhelming. So sometimes it's known as the suicide plant. Now, there's not a lot of these in the world. And so it was incredibly shocking that this plant ended up in the United Kingdom. And not clear how it got there, but the there is a part of the uh, UK government that has this section that's called the poison garden that they hold on to these dangerous plants that can hurt uh, people and animals. Right. So they took – possession of this gimpy gimpy they have put it into this garden thank god nobody was hurt but there are stories of people who have been hit by this plant it has these tiny needles which will send these sensations through your body which apparently initially feel like you've been electrocuted like it is so intense so that's in the first 20 to 30 minutes But then the pain lasts for months on end, can even go on for years on end, and that's what in the past has pushed some people to commit suicide because they can't take the pain anymore from this plant. It's incredibly rare. There are not many of these, and that's why... (laughs) It was shocking for people, for botanists, for people who really know something about these plants, to see it show up in the UK. Thank God it's in this garden that's called the Poison Garden that's in a botanical garden behind locked glass and locked doors. They're holding on to the plant. I'm not sure why they don't just kill it, but they're holding on to maybe to research it.
1: Do we have any idea how many people in Australia and Indonesia have been stung with this plant?
4: Don't know. Just know that there have been people who've been stung who didn't know what it was. It looks... Not anything. It's not a, a crazy-looking plant. You know, sometimes you have you know that stinky flower that opens up in right. the Bronx Botanical Gardens, right. and it smells like rotten whatever. Right. Um, and they have these plants in uh, in Asia. Uh, you know, that one is not dangerous. It just smells incredibly bad. This one uh, is one of these rare plants that. You It know, doesn't cause death. It just causes an enormous amount of pains. But sometimes it's called the suicide plant because it's driven people to commit suicide after being stung by it.
1: Oof, yeah. Wow. Uh, none in the United States, thankfully, right?
4: Not yet. But the fact that it's in the UK, of course, has people concerned that maybe people are trying to sneak this plant into the U.S. Oof, as well. Thank goodness. Jeez. No. Finnish Airlines, have you seen what they're up to these days? No. Have you ever taken Finnish Air? No. Oh, okay, neither have I. But Finnish Air says they want to make sure that their passengers are safe when they get on their airlines. It's one of these low-cost airlines that flies throughout Europe. Uh, Think um, Southwest Airlines, something like that. So what they began doing on Monday is they're weighing all of their passengers. And the idea is uh, if they're overweight, People, not the individual passengers, but if the flight is overweight because the the people on the flight are maybe overweight, they'll tell people to wait for a second flight. Now, in this first week, uh, the first five hundred or a thousand people who went through were were fine. They they were okay stepping on the scale. The only person who sees how much they weigh is the person who's at the front gate right before you know when you show your ticket or your phone to get onto the plane. That person will see how much you weigh and then it calculates the weight uh, before everybody gets on. And if it's over what they think is a safe weight to fly, and apparently this happens relatively often that they're really at this weight, you know, they don't know how much people weigh, right? Normally they don't weigh people.
1: All airlines or just the Finnish airlines?
4: This Finnish is the first one to do this. No, no,
1: but I'm saying it, it happens often that they're they're at weight capacity. There's
4: been incidences where they then found out that maybe they shouldn't have flown. Interesting. Yeah, because it just uh, – People in the world are bigger than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. And so what they're doing now as Finnish Airlines is they – during this first week, uh, they did have one flight – where they asked some passengers to wait and get on to the next flight. Uh, those people weren't happy. They didn't single out people who were larger than others or mm-hmm. anything like that. But so then you have these people who are just outraged. are saying this is embarrassing, humiliating for people who are larger to have to step on a scale. It's so, They don't like doing it in their own bathroom at home. Now they're going to have to do it to get on a plane. But Finnish Airlines says, no, this is all about safety. Safety first. And so we're going to weigh all of our passengers before they get on the flights. And if you don't like it, well, take another airline.
1: Mm. Well, I, I, uh, I, I mean, I can't argue with the logic. And I wonder if this is going to spread to other, layer, uh, other airlines.
4: We'll have to see. By the way, they will not uh, hold on to your weight. So, in other words, this gotcha. was the fear was uh, you show up, you, show, you scan your ticket, and now they know how much you weigh. Mm. They say none of that information is kept, or at least that's what they say. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it was a year ago today— that a friend of mine who went to the Super Bowl in Arizona called me and he said, you know, we always hear every year of these stories about prostitution and how big it is at the Super Bowl. And can you do me a favor and look into this story? He said, the minute he got off his plane in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, someone handed him a piece of paper and the piece of paper was from some sort of escort service. Now, we know that women are trafficked Against the law, we're not talking about those. These are people who are apparently willing participants in the escort right. industry. And this is the story we get every year. right? Every year we talk about the fact that all these women or men too, fly to the city where the Super Bowl is, because business is brisk for the Super Bowl. Sure. So it was a year ago today that I checked in with this uh, escort service in Phoenix to see if that was true. And here's a little bit of what that phone call sounded like.
3: If you'd like to spend the night, we're looking at some, somewhere between 3000 and 4500 We have a few remaining spots. Um, we are, I can tell you this, we'll probably be filled up by within the next three hours. We'll be totally booked.
4: Yeah, so this was an interesting moment because I had to sit at work and Google this escort service mm-hmm. to find the phone number. I had to call HR and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm not not looking for an escort service. I'm doing a story. And uh, so then I said, is it, you know, is it true? Is business brisk? And as you heard there, thousands of dollars to be with somebody for the weekend. She said, normally it's cheaper, but because it was Super Bowl weekend, she said business was beyond brisk. They made tens of thousands of dollars between uh, Thursday night and Super Bowl on Sunday night. And uh, there was one woman who was on there who was like, on every part of the website, like it was they kept showing this one woman, Melinda. So I said to this woman, I said, "Who is this woman, Melinda?"
3: Well, she's first of all, she's been here the longest with us, and I can tell you that she is incredibly professional and just uh, will make you feel as if you're the only person in the room, uh, the only person on the world in the world actually. And she uh, uh, just knows exactly how to treat our clients.
4: Yeah, and so she was uh, $2,000 for the night. (laughs) Yeah. So, again, I'm not suggesting any of this is anything you want to do, but these were women who said, at least according to her, were willingly there, and she was happy to put them on the phone, not the women who are trafficked in sometimes these instances. Right.
1: I have to think, though, that given the – grandeur of uh, Las Vegas and Las Vegas's reputation as, as sin city and all the people that are going to be there for that and Nevada's history and look we have a lot of caller we have a lot of listeners in Nevada right now they're welcome to call in 800-848-9222 that those prices uh, Nevada's history with prostitution being legalized uh, not in Las Vegas but elsewhere those prices I would think are far more in Vegas this this weekend than they were in in in, in the Arizona yeah. uh, last year. Yeah, maybe. I you may have to do a do, follow you want me up to do a deep
4: dive. I think you should. I, let me get HR on the phone just yeah. so they don't see that I'm searching <laughs> exact, for escort exact. services again.
1: <laughs> I will bet you. I don't think three thousand dollars is. Uh, it, I I bet you they're charging minimum. $5,000 for wow, the night. that's crazy. I, well, I mean, I don't know, but, right. you know,
4: that's, that's what I'm you, I will look it up if you want me to. I'm happy to do yeah, okay. we'll do
1: a follow-up on Monday. Okay, sure. I, I, I think there are a number of factors which make the pricing for an escort much more uh, outrageous in, in Nevada and in Las Vegas during the Super Bowl than in Arizona. Hmm. We'll see. Have a good weekend. You too. And now you know the rest of the story. All right, Uh, 800-848-9222. We'll get to your calls momentarily. Hey, you know what today is? We spent all this time talking about holidays. Today is going to be the first... uh, The Lunar New Year celebration kicks off today, specifically tonight, at uh, about 5.59 p.m. Eastern. I love Lunar New Year. It's a great opportunity to celebrate Chinese culture, enjoy some nice Chinese food. It's great. And uh, the year of the... Rabbit is ending, and we're going into the Year of the Dragon, which is a sign that symbolizes strength, good fortune, and prosperity. Couldn't we use a little bit of that? Why not? The Year of the Dragon has traditionally meant a baby boom for China, as those born during this period are believed to possess qualities including intelligence, ambition, and charisma. And uh, I think that's great. My, um, I have two siblings-in-law that are expecting right now, my sister-in-law Sharon is expecting, and uh, so is my brother-in-law Adam, both of them will have babies born in the year of the dragon. So hopefully they'll have some of that dragon-like strength. Uh, Hey, if you want to participate on any of the conversations about this show, join our Facebook group. It's mostly people that are criticizing me, but there's a lot of nice people there as well. Uh, just go on to Facebook and search that's Morano. That's M O R A N O Radio fans and haters. A lot of people talking about the Will Wheaton situation now. And uh, Brandon say, um, Brandon who called earlier said uh, Frank is really banging those H's on Wheaton. I know in Old English that's how you're supposed to pronounce it with the H bef- uh, before the W, but Frank is murdering that H. Well, you got to understand, it's less about the English pronunciation or the the proper way of saying wheat thin or cool whip or whatever the case may be. It has to do with paying tribute to my cultural doppelganger. I feel, you know, I've never met Seth MacFarlane, but I feel as if we were somehow separated at birth. Aside from the fact that I can't sing and I can't draw, we are exactly alike. We have the exact same taste in everything. I mean, if you look at the episodes that he's written of Family Guy and of American Dad and, you know, his sensibilities and the things that he throws into Family Guy, the attention that he pays to Star Trek and, you know, the selections of Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, we have the exact same sense of humor. Exactly. I mean, I, I if, if I was... You know, to be stranded on, a, on, a, on an island with any celebrity for a prolonged amount of time, I think um, Seth MacFarlane and I would either get along the best or we would kill each other because we're, we're two alike. So anyway, they did an episode of Family Guy where they reunited the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. included, and it's a great episode if you're a Star Trek The Next Generation fan. It's very funny the way it's handled, and I love it. And and there's so many nuances that you really only appreciate if you're an obsessive Star Trek The Next Generation fan. Like, for instance, I'll just tell you this one thing. Um, Denise Crosby, who... See, Stewie steals the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. He kidnaps them. He creates a transporter, and he kidnaps them from a Star Trek convention. Denise Crosby... Played a character on Star Trek The Next Generation that died after one season. And in the episode, she dies as he kidnaps her. Now, you gotta be really up on your Star Trek The Next Generation to know to throw that in there. I remember this is going back 10 years. They did a whole bunch of Family Guy episodes on uh, the Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, Road 2 movies. And I was on the phone with Jay Diamond because Jay's a night owl and I was working nights at the time. And so we'd spend a lot of time on the phone late at night. And I say to Jay, because I know he's, Jay is the most obsessive Bing Crosby fan I know. And the biggest Bing Crosby expert I know. And In fact, I met Bing Crosby's widow, Catherine Grant Crosby. I think Jay knows more about Bing Crosby than Catherine Grant Crosby did. But I said to Jay, turn on whatever Channel Family Guy was on. And they did this uh, Road to song. I think it was the Road to Rhode Island. And there were all these nuances and little att- attention to detail that captured that Bing Crosby, Bob Hope song, which is, to me, what makes Family Guy so great. They do that with everything. So we watch this on the phone together, and Jay turns to me, well, not turns to me, he says to me after this number, he says, whoever wrote that, and I don't think he was that familiar with Seth MacFarlane or Family Guy at the time, He said, Whoever wrote that is a crazed Bing Crosby fan. And that's how Seth MacFarlane is with Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation as well. So, anyway, in the one episode where he kidnaps the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation, obviously, you know, he's going to reference Will Wheaton. How dare you? I am Rondon. Sorry, that was. uh,
0: No, I think you should all be nicer to Will Wheaton. The way I treat my colleagues. Wait, what? I said you ought to be nicer to Will Wheaton. You mean Will Wheaton? Yes, Will Wheaton. Why are you saying it like that? Well, I'm just saying you should be nicer to Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton seems like a nice guy. Say Wheat. Wheat. Now, say Will Wheaton. 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 Hey, did you hook up with Whoopi Goldberg on the show? All the time.
1: (laughs) So I you know, if Stewie's going with Will Wheaton, I'm going with Will Wheaton. Simple as that. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to uh, my Uncle Joe, who uh, I'm certainly very close to, who uh, recently celebrated his 80th birthday, but uh, yesterday had um, heart valve replacement surgery, which uh, apparently went very well, but, you know, obviously heart valves, any kind of heart surgery is always a serious thing. I know he listens to this program quite a bit, and uh, if he's up listening now, wishing you the best, Uncle Joe. I will reach out to you over the weekend. All right. Uh, we'll do 15 seconds of fame in a moment, 800-848-9222, 800 848 straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight. sign at midnight with Frank morano when the lights go
3: down and your
1: dreams go wrong The sun goes down
3: You might need a place
1: To call your own Somewhere out there On the other side of me You might hear a voice A breeze in the grind Somewhere out there Stevie the G, G and the Trekkies Singing their version of the Other Side of Midnight. No longer available on iTunes, by the way. No longer available on iTunes. All right. The time has come for me to end the week and uh, hopefully have a fun weekend. Hopefully you will as well. But first, we're going to give you an opportunity to comment for 15 seconds on anything you like at 800-848-9222. The
0: Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame! fame. Russ. Frank, I've been enjoying the cartoons Bluey and Daniel Tiger since they are must-watch TV for young Carmine, the culture critic. But the Smirghani show, not so much.
1: (laughs) Raji. We wish uh, all good people
0: long and healthy lives. Less than seven, eight hours of sleep can drastically
3: reduce body repairs and cause premature death. Oh, with Lomborano's. Neil. There once was a show host named Frank, whose work hours mostly were dank. His wit and analytics brought no shortage of critics, but mostly we want to say thanks. Thank you. E. Frank. As I've said many, many times before, I know for a fact that the job of the mayor of New York, Mayor Eric Adams, is not to succeed historical perspective, but to do his job as listed as mayor of the city of New York. Kevin. Frank, earwax
0: is better than belly button lint, but be true to your teeth or they'll be false to you. Joe.
3: Frank, I just want to say thank you for reminding me of that great quote from a famous movie. I'm shocked there's gambling in Casablanca. Uh, I used it in another interview and people thought I was a genius.
1: (laughs) Maybe I'll see you for ping pong this weekend. If you're going on Fox this morning, have fun. Ray. Uh, I might might be naive, but I thought Will Wheaton was from the Big Bang Theory. And everybody knows
3: SIP means short, incarcerated people. Jeff.
0: I don't think Larry David is funny in general. I don't have a problem with Will Wheaton's response, but I don't think Elmo should have gotten on a show with Larry David. He should know better.
1: And finally, Patrick. James O'Keefe of com is fighting
3: to save America. Please support com. O'KeefeMediaGroup.com,
1: O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. And that, my friend, slams the lid on things for today. Back on Monday, God willing, with a voice that's back up to 100% and some really fun Super Bowl analysis. Frank Moreno, good day.